Hi, my name is Sally Gabbert, and you're listening to my podcast, Giving Silence a Voice. So, I know that this podcast is supposed to be talking about the less talked about things, but I have a very, I have my very own podcast that's out in Apple Music and Spotify, so I decided to have fun with it today and bring you your very first bonus episode, and I'm going to be talking about I'm not going to be talking. I'm going to be reading a scary story. So, stay tuned. If you get too scared, like, listening to scary stories, I'd recommend not staying. But I get, I'm really squeamish around scary stories, and I'm okay with this, except it's terrifying. So, (laughs) do with that what you will. Um, And we'll get into the story. Um, It's a scary story, and sorry you will be hearing... ASMR, I guess. Um, ASMR with the pages since I printed off my iPad, so I could read it. <clears throat> the story's 11 pages long, but like it's not—it's not as long as you think. Um, it's just like it's a really big. It's printed out really big, so that's that. Um, so I hope you enjoy um, BTW. The story is called where oh sorry where living ends and death starts so stay tuned and listen to this creepy story all right here's the story where living ends and death starts um the story definitely i haven't read it all but it definitely gets progressively scarier from what i read and the plot changes a lot and it's it's really creepy it's very creepy um there was one other thing i want to say but i forget so yeah <laughs> all right here we go i was only three blocks away from my house i was running from the voice the voice that seemed to make the air colder the voice that sent a chilling sensation through my spine The voice was neither masculine nor feminine. It was neither happy nor sad. It seemed to be right next to me as my pace speeds. Then the voice whispers, Once I'm done, you'll feel no more pain. This whisper was so close, it might as well have been banging in my eardrum. My body went numb, as if all the blood in my body had been replaced by ice, and I fell. Before I closed my eyes for the last time, I saw the outline of a human, neither solid nor transparent, and they were grinning down at me maliciously. They touched me, and the touch was like 1,000 knives dilting from my arm to my head. I felt someone cut my wrist, and then my eyes turned to blood and seeped down my cheeks. Then, with a flash of red, I was dead. I died, yet I'm still alive. Well, part of me was. I was sent to the spot in between death and living. Without my body, I couldn't move beyond the veil leading to the land of death. From my spot, which was a blank room with white walls, and they were lined with mirrors where I could watch the land of living. What I saw was so grotesque, vile, and horrible. My body was down there and was moving. Inside was the figure that had killed me. I don't know how I knew, but I did. Looking down at my body sent a chilling feeling at my spine. My body, which was walking down the street I was murdered on, looked up right at me. I don't know how they could see me because I was in a completely different dimension, but there was no mistake that they were looking straight up at me. 
The face that used to be mine morphed into a completely different face with wide, snake-like eyes, thick and messy eyebrows, thin, dark-colored lips, and very sharp jaws. This face looked angry and seeking for revenge, but there was also a hint of extreme sadness and mourning. The face quickly morphed back and sneered, then continued their walk to, well, wherever they were going. I kept watching my body move along the street. I had so many questions, but the one that was really sitting me was... Next page. What were its intentions? I know. Sorry, car. <laughs> I'll close my window. You know, sorry to ruin the dramatic, scary effects, but you know when those cars do that, I feel like the people are just trying to show off their fancy cars. Okay, sorry. Continue. I had so many questions, but the one that was really sitting me with, sitting with me was, what were its intentions? I know. I whip around trying to find the source of these words. A boy about my age, 16, was in one of the mirrors. He was like the creature in my body. Not human, but not fully ghost-like either. He looked evil in a way I really can't explain. I may look evil, but I promise I won't hurt you, the boy explained. Can you read my mind? Yes, but I don't have to if it makes you uncomfortable. I say it's fine as I turn back to the mirror with my body. I had died when I was only 16 years old and that was unfair. Nobody even knew I had died though. I can give you a second chance, the boy mysteriously says. What? The boy looks reluctant to explain as if he were hoping I would just say okay. In your body is an untamed soul, the same one that killed me as well as my mom. If you can kill it, there's a possibility that everyone will return to the land of living. As the boy said this, the floor collapsed underneath my feet, and just like that. I had fallen asleep. I wake up in a dark room. From the feeling of the ground, I was on a bed made of rocks. The lights suddenly switch on, and I discover that I'm in a graveyard on top of wet skeletons. I jump to my feet when I realize I'm in someone else's body. I'm in a about 13-year-old girl's. I'm pretty tall and lean. I had long blonde hair. I was wearing Adidas with blue stripes, ripped jeans, and a white crop top. My nails are painted a lime green color with three rings on each hand and an outrageous amount of bracelets on. I'm in the very back of a graveyard where all the older stones are. The place was cold and made the hair on my neck stick up. I saw the biggest gravestone and naturally went over to examine it. I read the name, Leah Sanderson. Crash. A lightning bolt hits the stone. That's, that's my name, I stammer. Then to the horror, I feel a hand grab my shoulder. I freeze up with fear and the voice behind me giggles. In a way that I would giggle. I throw the hand off of me and whip my head to see the untamed soul in my body. Leah, I see you return to the land of the living. I'm thrilled to finally introduce myself. Who are you? My name's Mursla, the leader of the land of living. Why are you here? I press. Mursla's entire body morphs back to their original form. 
This was the body of a woman who was twice as tall as me and didn't have feet. Instead, her dress ended in a swift mist. Her outfit was a ripped dress stained with blood and caked with dirt. Her hands were pointy and long. Other than the fact she was obviously evil, many would say she was unnaturally beautiful. As Mursla rose from the body, thousands upon thousands of ghosts rose from their tombs. I cover my ears immediately because their screaming becomes unbearable. I had anxiety for many years and was prone to panic attacks. And this was one of those times I start sobbing and fall to the ground. I must have passed out. I push myself off the ground to find I'm in the same graveyard and all the ghosts were gone. But I felt watched. I knew... I knew something was staring at me. I look at the back of the graveyard to see a girl about ten sitting on my gravestone. She had long stringy black hair with perfectly cut bangs. She was wearing a white ghostly dress. Her face was white as snow with frosty blue lips. She was expressionless, but she seemed lost. Then it all happened really fast. The second she jerked her head up, a blinding flash of lightning went by and struck the girl, and then she was gone. I started freaking out because I can sense she's there. I know she's there. Then I hear slow, deep breaths in my ear. I feel a cold hand go up my back, then land around my neck and tighten. I feel a second hand do the same thing. I can feel the breath leave my body. I'm filled with anger and grab my hands and pull them off me. I turn around and I'm ready to punch the girl in the face, but nothing's there. I can hear breathing still and I feel a hand grab my wrist. Yet, I could see nothing. I feel the hand around my wrist loosen, just enough for me to slip away. I bolt out of the hands and run to broken down a broken down shed and go in. I can hear footsteps following me. The footsteps were slow, walking. It was like the footsteps knew they were going to catch me, so they were saving their breath. I look for somewhere to hide and find a small door. I pushed the door open and crawled inside. At the time, all I wanted to do was leave the door open. Sorry. I leave the... Cr- I'm so sorry. I don't know where I was. Okay. <clears throat> I pushed the door open. Where am I? The footsteps were... Oh my gosh, that was the weird... Okay, sorry guys. I look for somewhere to hide and find a small door. I pushed the door open and crawled inside. At the time, all I wanted to do was leave the creepy tunnel I had to crawl through, but kept going for the fear of dying. Once I had been crawling for about 20 minutes, I saw something. I saw a pair of shoes from around hundreds of years ago. They were so faded, you couldn't see what color they were originally. They were... Sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. They were covered in dust and cobwebs. Right next to them were another pair of shoes, the same style, but were much smaller, so it must have been for a much younger girl. Next to that was two outfits, one for an elderly woman and one for a little girl. The clothes were dirty, ripped, and very well used. Seeing the clothes were creepy, yes, but it gave me an extremely sad feeling, as if a mother and daughter had lived down here and had to survive in such a horrible place. I picked up a pair of shoes to examine to examine it, but reveal something underneath. It was a trap door. Naturally, I was a curious person, and I knew I shouldn't open it, but as I was, did anyway. 
Underneath was what seemed to be a little house. There was a bed, a couch, and to my surprise, a kitchen with a little old lady cooking something. The lady saw me out of the corner of her eye and a look of terror washed over her face for a second until she realized I wasn't some ghost or something. Oh, hello. I'm so sorry for my inhospitality. We haven't seen people for years. Please come sit. We? I ask, only seeing the one lady. Oh, my daughter Samantha is in the corner over there, playing with her dolls. The lady says... The lady says, motioning to the little brunette girl sitting in the corner. She doesn't have a very good manners. We haven't seen people for five years back in 1603. 1603? Ma'am, it's 2021. I say, looking at her very weirdly. Haha, <laughs> kids nowadays are lacking in their jokes. We all know it's 1608, she confidently blurts. I'm, I'm really not kidding, ma'am, I stutter. Nonsense, you must be very tired. Here, stay in my guest room. The lady leads me into a very small room that had obviously never been slept in. Now you get some sleep and we'll see you in the morn. I get in the bed and pull up the dust-covered blankets and fall asleep. I wake up the next morning and look around the room. I'm crazy, I laugh out loud. The entire room looks years older than last night. The bed frame... I'm confused. Wait. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not a great... Okay, sorry. I'm gonna... Wind back 20 seconds. I wake up the next morning and look around the room. I'm crazy. I laugh out loud. The entire room looks years older than last night. The bed frame was now a deep color of brown when it had been blue. The blankets were ripped and coated in at least 50 layers of dust. The mattress had springs popping out and the pillows had something spewing out. I walk out the room expecting to see the lady cooking, but I don't. I check every room, but nobody. I walked into the kitchen to see if there was any food, but on the way I trip over something. To my horror, I see the skeletons of an elderly lady and a little girl. They looked hundreds of years old. In the smaller skeleton's hand, I see a newspaper. I pick it up and start reading. The bombing of 1608. The bombing had started in India. Oh, sorry. This is a newspaper she's reading. The bombing of 1608. The bombing that had started in India has expanded into our country. They have thousands upon thousands of guns, bombs, and an unlimited amount of ammunition. I'm afraid to say we don't stand a chance. Our beloved mayor has been shot, and our army is small and weak. I'm afraid this could be the last time this new paper comes out. Thank you for reading the 1600-1608 newspaper. I put down the paper and started connecting the dots. According to the bullets lodged in the skeleton's room, they had been shot around 1608. None of this made sense, though. It was 2022, 20, 2021, and I had seen them yesterday. This was all weird and very unusual. I climbed out the trapdoor back into the underground tunnel and once again walked through. After the 20 minute walk, I was back in the graveyard. It was a much sunnier day, but I still had the feeling someone was watching me, but barely felt it. I was done with all this. I'd rather be back in the blank room with the mirrors and the boy. Then it hit me. Oh my gosh, the boy. I just need to kill the untamed soul and I'll return to my body. 
The sentence sent a jolt of hope through my body. I just need to find Urs- Mer- I just needed to find Mursla. Then I heard the eardrum whisper. I'm always here. You'll always be able to find me, even if you can't see me. Then I shot my hands into my pocket. I had an idea. Whoever said body, whoever's body I was in, thought it was smart to keep loose glitter in her pocket. I took a handful of the glitter in my palm and blew it where I heard the voice. It just flew in the air, then fell to the ground. Nobody was there. I then ran as fast as I could and as long as I could. I eventually found myself in a weirdly normal-looking neighborhood. I barged into the first house. To my surprise, I see a young mother with straight brown hair, not very tall, and cooking rice in a pot. I see a dad playing with two little kids and a 13-year-old girl working on homework. The mother looked unfazed by the fact a sweating girl had broken into her house. Another ghost attack? The dad said, not even looking at him. I didn't make any sense of the question. Another ghost attack? I just nodded my head because I was too exhausted to answer any questions. Well, you're here in time for dinner. Come, sit down. The wife motions to the table. I sit down because, I mean, I hadn't had food for hours and I was starving. After a strange dinner of rice, cold pizza, and pasta, the husband put the little kids to bed while the girl went up to her room, so I was left with the lady. We were sitting on the couch together, and she brought up the ghost attack. Marissa killed you, didn't she? How did you know, I asked. That's the body of my daughter who was also killed. I'm so sorry, I whisper. Oh, don't be sorry. We have had a long time to mourn her. This enraged me. Mursla must have killed so many innocent people, and this was what I needed to hear to film this passion I would need to put her in the, to put into her murder. The mother must see the look on my face and sends me bed, sends me back with the girl. I walk in to find the girl sitting at the desk working on what seems to be math. Hello, I say, making her jump. You're not Ava, are you? She sadly stammers. No, I'm sorry. Mursla killed me too. Sorry, she whispers. My name's Leah Sanderson. As I say this, her face lights up. You're the name on the big gravestone. Yeah, I giggle. My name is Darcy Maria, but everyone calls me Lucy. Okay. She led me to the, led me to the bunk bed where I claimed top bunk. She lent me a pair of PJs, and then she turned out the lights. Five minutes later, the dad walks in to say goodnight. Would you like a bedtime story? He asks. Now, when someone says bedtime story, you're expecting expecting princesses and fairies, but no. And we are going to take a break now. You guys don't get to hear the bedtime story. I actually don't know what it is. I, I've only read up to, like, the gravestone, maybe. So this is creepy. All right, I'll be right back, and we'll continue. We're back, and we left off on the dad saying, would you like to hear a bedtime story? But no. All right, three. I don't know, I'm counting. Let's just go. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a little boy named Cash. Cash decided one night he would challenge himself to stay out of his bed all night. His dad always did what his parents told him to do because he was cursed by them. 
The dad saw his son out of bed and decided he would let Cash do what he wanted, but his parents counted to 15 and said when they were done counting, Cash would die. The dad yelled for Cash to get in bed, but it was too late. Now, if anyone gets out of bed with the intention of not going back in, Cash will count to 15, and if you don't get back in bed, you'll die. Once the dad finishes story and leaves, I'm only a little horrified. I look at the bed underneath me, expecting to see Lucy with something reassuring to say, but instead I see an empty bed. Lucy! I yelled, horrified that the boy had maybe killed her. Leah, did you hear that? I turn my head and see Lucy at her desk working on her homework. I quiet down listen. One, two, three, a voice said. Lucy, get in bed, I shout. Four, five, six. Lucy, hurry. Lucy is frozen in her chair listening to the counting. Eight, nine. When he gets to nine, I start hearing footsteps getting closer and closer. Eleven, twelve, Thirteen. I jump out of bed and grab Lucy. Me and her jump to the bottom bump and start hugging and sobbing. Fifteen! We scream as the door slams open and enters the room. Our eyes are both squeezed tightly and we are screaming until we hear silence and then laughing. <laughs> we squint our eyes and we see Lucy's dad. Oh my gosh, daddy, we have a heart attack. <laughs> That'll teach you to stay in bed. We both let out a relief sigh, and he offers to help Lucy finish her homework, and I jump out of bed to shake off the stress. I was doing breathing exercises my therapist taught me when I heard something. One, two, three. The room goes silent. Is that you? Lucy asks her dad. He shakes his head and pushes me and Lucy into bed. Ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. We're all so silent, I can only hear the counting and our hesitated breath. The door slowly creeps open and a shadow comes out. The shadow grows twice its size and I was unmistakably Mursla. I grab the heaviest stuffed animal I could find and chuck it at Mursla. She just laughs and grabs Lucy and her dad and throws them across the room. I take a second to think how I could kill Mursla when I remember she's in my body. If she grows or not, she's still in my body. When I was summer at camp four years ago, I got an archery arrow stuck in the skin of my stomach and the doctor had to stitch it up, but one of the stitches is very sensitive and could easily split. The doctor said if it got cut, it would, I would immediately bleed to death, so I knew my strategy. One of the bracelets had a sharp charm of a guitar. I ran over to Lucy and her dad and whispered my plan in hers. Hold up, before I keep going the story, if she was at summer camp four years ago and got an arrow stuck in her stomach four years ago, wouldn't the stitches be dissolved by the... Oh, no, okay. Anyway. <laughs> the dad was going to make a diversion, and Lucy was going to make sure all the family members were safe. Lucy ran out of the room, and the dad starts screaming and flailing his arms. I find the scar on my side and jab it and pull the charm out. Blood immediately starts spilling out and merciless screams. She grabs her side and falls to her knees. Her head is throbbing. Her head is throbbing and she starts spitting up blood, then falls to the ground and uh, blood. Starting at her foot, she starts to dissolve. I am silently sobbing. It had happened so fast. Then everything disappeared and the room became a blinding shade of white and I pass out.
I wake up in the room with mirrors and see the boy sitting on the floor reading something. Hello? The boy looks at me and jumps to his feet. You're finally awake! The boy explains. I smile and nod. You killed Mursley. You actually did it. That means you and me can go back to the land of living together. The boy screams. Oh my gosh, you're right. But wait, I'm still in someone else's body. Hmm, maybe we have to go through for it to work. There were two mirrors labeled living and death bed. He told me his name was Toby, and I said mine was Leah, and then together we locked through the living mirror where we could start our lives over. And I'm going to take a break, and we will be right back with the last part of the story. My name is Sayla, and before you get back to your show, just a quick reminder, go ahead and leave a five-star review and leave me a positive or negative whatever you're feeling rating. And then go send me an email. You can email me scary stories, happy stories, just anything. You can ask for life advice. You can send a, just a dad joke or something. You can email me at saylagaber at icloud.com. Back to your show. Right. Let's continue. I don't know why I whispered very ASMR. <laughs> Three months later. My name is Leah Sanderson. I am 17 years old and have lived a very eventful, chaotic, and well. Let's just say that I'm in someone else's body and I'm pretending to be a girl who needs help so I can live at my parents' house. They do mourn the death of their daughter, which is me, every day. But none of that matters very much anyway, though, because my life is now as normal as it well can be. I have a best friend named Toby. He was living with us, but not anymore. His mom had been killed, but thanks to us, she was brought back. It's a long story. She said she needed to process things, so she went to Honolulu, but today she was coming back. Are you excited, Toby? Yes, I can't believe I haven't seen her for months. We were riding our bikes to Toby's house. It was about a 10 minute bike ride and it was the middle of the summer, so we loved riding together, especially around the evening. Once we arrived at Toby's place, we parked our bikes and finished up the ice cream cones we got on the way. Let's do this, Toby explained. We laughed and walked inside. Mom? Toby, oh I missed you. Oh, and Leah too, please come in. Melissa, Toby's mom, gestured to the table. There were plates and plates filled with all sorts of food. Wow, Melissa, you never cook, I explained. I don't, she quickly corrects herself. I mean, the, the place I went to really changed me. Hawaii, Toby asked. Oh, yes, that place. Me and Toby exchanged weird looks. This was a little strange because no one would forget a trip to Honolulu that you had just come back from. Stop looking at me like that. Texas and Mexico and Hawaii are all practically the same. I didn't want to get that messed up. I glanced at Toby and, and tell Melissa she would probably get, should get some sleep. When she was in bed, I just shrugged to Toby and suggested, 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 suggested. Anyway, we go on a bike ride. Within five minutes, we were on the sidewalk on our bikes. I suddenly feel a sharp, unbearable pain in my left wrist and let go of the bars. My bike crashes into the grass and I grab my wrist. 
Toby hops off his bike and runs over me. Leah, are you okay? He stops in his tra- tracks and looks at my bruised, swollen wrist. You felt it too? He showed me his wrist, and it too was swollen and bruised. I grab his wrist and get a closer look at it. Underneath the swelling was a shiny square. I look up at him and whisper to him, Toby, I need you to close your eyes. He was hesitant, hesitant, but did shut his eyes. I brought out the first aid kit and brought out the scalpel. I cut back a layer of his skin to reveal a small, shiny chip. I did the same to reveal a chip in my wrist, too. As soon as I took out the chip, I felt a tingling sensation throughout my body. Starting in my head, my entire body transformed back into my actual body. Toby, oh my gosh, I'm back in my own body. I run over and throw my arms around Toby's neck. Leah, oh my gosh, you look so different. He hugged me back with a look in his face I had never seen before. I wouldn't know now, but thinking back on it, it was a look of admiration, like he actually felt something. <laughs> actually felt something. Sorry, mocking the story. Anyway, we wrapped our wrists up without with gauze and put the chips in a plastic bag and rode to mine and Toby's hangout. About a month ago, me and Toby built a treehouse in the park where no one could find it. Once we were in our beanbags in the hangout, we brought out the chips. What could they be? I closed my eyes to remember the day I died. I had felt something happen to my wrist, and it bled. Toby, I think Marisla put them in when she killed us. He tries to remember something, and the concern in his face shows that he did. You are welcome. That story was freaky. Oh my god, I don't remember any of that. But that is your scary story. Even if it did not scare you, I'm sorry, it was my pathetic approach. That was a freaky story. And now that I think about it, it kind of left on a cliffhanger, which, excuse me, stories don't leave on cliffhangers. Go ahead and finish it for me. And then, if I like your ending of the story, how about I read it in? I read it in? Yeah, I read it and put it into the podcast. So that was terrifying. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, creepy. Okay. Also, Leah and Toby are totally in love. <laughs> Except I've kind of, oops, sorry. I kind of feel like Toby's just kind of like, you can't be named Toby. Never mind. I'm not gonna, no. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and here is the bonus episode. Please enjoy. Well, actually, you already listened. So go ahead and. I don't know. Thanks for listening. My name is Silly Gabber, and you're listening to Giving Science a Voice, and this is your first bonus episode. Bye!